Hello, welcome to Hazardous Opinions. I am Eric, there's Andy, Hello. and there's Hunter, Hey guys, special guest, and today we're doing Coraline. It's a movie that came out in 2009, this is a spooky-esque movie. It's a claymation drama, I mean, also a family movie, I guess. And yeah, we're kicking off spooky season with that. Yeah, it's a uh, good movie for October to to kick it off with. Yeah, so Coraline, as you said, was released back in 09, directed by Henry Selleck, uh, starring Dakota Fanning, Terry Hatcher, and John Hodgman as kind of our main cast family. You can watch this one on HBO Max is where I found it, but you can also find it on stuff like Prime Video and Hulu. The services are always rotating. Uh, yeah, but yeah. This is a this is a good one for those of you that haven't seen Coraline in a little while. Though you should rewatch it again since it's spooky season. We have our main character Coraline Jones, who's voiced by Dakota Fanning, uh, who moves with her parents to a new home in a different part of Oregon. Uh, one night, she's kind of awoken and led to a strange door. It was previously a brick wall. She discovers a parallel world where things are kind of not as normal and more the opposite of normal things just get a little creepy from there, but I won't go too much into that into the synopsis. I kind of want to hear what you guys think about this one. Yeah. I mean, I like this movie. Uh, I like, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't seen it before cause I'm usually into movies like this, but I mean, uh, Courtney has seen it like a million times and then she's like really excited to watch it. So we finally sat down and watched it uh, last night. And uh, yeah, I can like probably say like this is like a really impressive movie. I'd probably rate it like an eight out of ten, probably because like, uh, I mean, I would score it higher if it like because like usually I'm not into like the whole, you know, like scene song move musicals but like this it's pretty limited in this so it, that's where like i really like it yeah so i was surprised this was your your first time watching this yeah, yeah me too honestly <laughs> that's what everybody said <laughs> well, what about you hunter oh no for sure eric i'm so glad you checked it out for the first time like um honestly it's this movie has a special place in my heart for sure. Like, um, you know, just me being an imaginative kid, like when I was really young to, I mean, still now still have that like little boy in me, you know, about all these films and series, but like I could, you know, as a kid, I would find creativity wherever I could. And like for this whole plot, I can just relate to, Coraline trying to find that, you know, creative fun around this new place she moved to, you know, like, yeah, as a kid, I would always just, you know, take my action figures and make a movie out of it. I would plan out the plot and everything. And like, especially this being a claymation animation movie, you know, it just takes very particular skills and a lot of time with this claymation. And, you know, 
like it would basically be like me taking my action figures and you know kind of just doing those like really short second shots and like it it's so it takes so long and like a lot of skill i think this i think this movie took like two and a half years or three years to make in total oh man yeah like the just the art of it is just so impressive and it really is right yeah and you know compared to a lot of other animated movies and movies for kids like this one is dark underneath the surface if you really like think about it as an adult and the themes but like it can appeal to both adults and children that's what i really love about this one yeah that's true you know yeah yeah and this one had the um the, the the fame of being the longest uh stop motion at the time as well right with about an hour 40 for the whole movie which is yeah i mean kind of short for movies nowadays since we're getting into the definitely breaching the three four hour territory but uh, oh, it was really impressive back then yeah, but yeah. for it being like a stop motion animation thing, like it just takes so much more time doing it. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. What do you give this one, Hunter? Oh man, I mean, since since it's one of my <laughs> favorites, you know, like I I recently just bought the 4K Steelbook of it because oh wow, it is considered one like probably the best 4K version of a movie. So I just had to, you know, and. Say yeah, just eleven out of ten. If I could give it, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. No, yeah, yeah, like um, you were saying that you were getting into uh, stop motion as you were a kid. Like, did you have any like, you know, completed products, or were you kind of like messing around with it, kind of? Is it okay. something you wanted to do but didn't actually complete? I sh- I should clarify that like I didn't use a camera or anything with these action figures. It was kind of just all oh. up in my head when I was left to my own devices, kind of like Coraline Jones in this movie, you know. Oh, yep. Like, that's yeah. No, I should have been more specific about that. But yeah, no, uh, didn't do any projects as a kid or anything. I mean, I almost wish I did. I almost wish I had a really good camera and. I probably do have the patience to kind of do stuff like that because people are like just mind blown by the stop motion animation stuff. Like, how do you do that? You know? Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, it's a, it's, it seems like a daunting task when it comes to something like you, you want to do it, but you know, it's like, well, I want to do it good, but you know, you can't, you know, know until you start doing it and whether you make something good or bad, at least you did try something, you know? So I'd say it's never too late, you know? No, no, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I was into drawing as a kid too. So I guess that kind of like goes in, goes into animation, but you know, yeah. 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 The artistic mindset. I'm kind of the same way. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's why I'm like really into like animations and all that stuff. Cause it's just, it, it's always, it's always a good form of art to appreciate. It is. And you know, I like, I don't agree with, you know, people around our age and like, you know, when you hit 18 and you are considered an adult now, I, you know, I don't appreciate when people do say like, uh, that, you know, that animated movie is childish, it's kiddish. I couldn't watch it. No, no, like, honestly, I think many animated movies that I've seen, like it is a place of comfort and you can kind of transport yourself to being that 
little kid again, you know, and have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glee and Don't joy. let the kid and you die, bro. No, exactly. Exactly. And like, like this movie, Coraline, like it applies to both adults and children. Like it has a lot of good lessons in it, you know, and yeah, you can just absolutely anybody can find anything in an animated movie that they enjoy. They don't have to enjoy it and be so passionate about the whole thing, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah, you get something out of it, no matter who you are. Exactly. Pretty much exactly what I was thinking. I was going through this. Uh, I think this is the first time I've seen it since I've uh, been an adult. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while. And I was like, wow, there's actually a lot of stuff that I enjoy here, but I can also see like watching the movie from Caroline's, not Caroline, uh, oh, Caroline's you're, point of view. Yeah, yeah, you're doing the classic right blunder, bro. <laughs> I'm the other Andy. <laughs> not Caroline at all. <laughs> <laughs> Coraline. I think I just heard Caroline so much, it's ingrained in me now. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure, for sure. That, uh, when you're watching this from her point of view, that you can see so much of the childish wonder that you experience on a daily basis as a kid of, Hey, I'm going to go count windows on the house. Uh, I'm going to go count things that are blue and just talk to random strangers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just the kind of things you play in the mud (laughs) that that bring back those, those childhood memories. Uh, This movie is solidly in the high eights for me. Um, Probably eight, seven, eight, eight. Like if animation was my forte, I think this would easily be a high nine. Yeah. Because it's not, I'm not huge into animation, but this is probably the highest one out there for me. Uh, Coraline is spooky. It's well done. And it's just a great short narrative for what the story is. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. That's a good explanation. Yeah. Hello, Coraline. Want to hear my new song? Making up a song about Coraline She's a peach, she's a doll, she's a pal of mine She's as cute as a button in the eyes of everyone who ever laid their eyes on Coraline Yeah, I really like how intelligently written this uh, this movie was because I feel like it could relate to a lot of people. Like, if your parents are too busy working all the time, you kind of, like, fantasize about, like, well, what if my parents were like more playful with me or whatever as I was a kid. Right. So mm-hmm. I feel like we can all relate to that to some degree. I mean, I know parenting is hard and we can't always make time to play with our kids, but Definitely. you know, it's like, I feel like we always had that point to where like the idealized parents, which I don't think anybody, it's like kind of unhuman to, what we idealize them to be most of the time we're not perfect right we're not perfect yeah Mm -hmm. so i mean going into this fantasy world where she gets everything she wants and everything is her uh to her liking like she has like the chandelier like (laughs) gives out smoothies you know yeah so like it's just a very imaginative world and it takes a turn to make like kind of like makes her like grow up a bit to like take a stand and like save her parents and stuff but like and then in the end i don't know if we would start talking about the end yet but like i was just wondering if like the end meant like was it all in her head or not it's like sure. who knows sure yeah 
No, it's a good open-ended question a little bit. I think they were kind of just teasing it a little bit with the cat, like, you know, disappearing behind that sign. I think it was just a little like kind of wink, but I don't think it took place in her head, like all of it, honestly. But um, like I was saying, how this movie uh, connects with both like children and adults, like you, you're mostly in Coraline's perspective, right? And Mm -hmm. like throughout the movie, uh, and since you brought up the end here, like when she moves to Oregon, it's this cloudy overcast area you know and that is real life like it rains a lot over there you know yeah west coast and it's kind of giving just that vibe that she has of being bored and it's just a dull and then she gets this whole other flip side of the coin here you know in the other mother's world that she constructed for Coraline and then, you know, towards the end when the whole facade is up, it, you know, like there's hope in the area she's in, in reality. Like her parents were always these nice, caring people. She was just bored with them. And I mean, if you put yourself in the shoes of her parents, they just moved to this new place, like, you know, oh, yeah. across the country from Michigan. And they're like working their butts off in this job you know and they just like you said eric you know just don't have time for everything right away like they just moved into this house you know and Coraline's just she's impatient she's you know just getting the jitters a little bit and then like towards the end you yeah you do see like that hope where her parents are like nice to her her mom bought her those gloves from the store that, that she liked you know she thought of her it, you know, you get both perspectives, parents and Coraline alike. And that's yeah. why I really love this story. <laughs> yeah, definitely growing up more. I'm, I'm seeing the other side as well. And being around like younger kids as an adult, you're starting to see, oh, the mom's just trying to get her shopping done. It's back to school season. Yes. Like you get it. You see it in Walmart every year. Yeah, right. And as you get older, you're starting to see, oh, they're just trying to get their shopping done. They got other errands to get to, and the kids just trying to throw them everything they can in the cart. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, you, you do get say that. yes to everything, or else you go broke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you you do get that the happier view from Coraline at the end when she gets the gloves. But it, it's nice to see that from Coraline's perspective. Yeah. Rather than just um, just a parental perspective of seeing the kid being like seen as a brat or something like that. Um, exactly. Just yeah. they're trying to be wondrous and yeah. I, yeah. I like how they they took the view with this. Right. And yeah, Coraline starts putting her energy back. You know, she gives her energy back to her parents and she's trying to make this new place a home finally, you know. Yeah. I'm glad you explained the like different perspectives there. Cause like, yeah, there's like uh you, you start to understand both perspectives in like a realistic sense. It's like, like, you know, like you said, like, uh, you know, they're just trying to get their school shopping done. They're trying to get all their work done while they're moving in. Cause they got to get this garden started and all that stuff. So they're just stressed out. And like, as a kid, like 
when your parents are stressed out, you just think of them as mean, you know what I mean? But really like they're just trying to do their thing and they don't want to be interrupted. Yeah. So. Yeah. Especially when the, the dad turns around, he's like, can you just go count all the things that are blue? I just need yeah. to finish this with some peace and quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets extra work to do once Coraline accidentally shuts off, shuts off the power. No. <laughs> yeah. I can't, like, I don't know if this is like an older computer where he doesn't like he doesn't have the ability to save while he's writing or maybe he just forgot to save or something. But like, right. I don't know. It just seemed like everything he did as he got there just was gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I like that you guys that you mentioned if this is all in her head, it's not actually something that came to my mind while watching through this. I think it's mainly due to. Coraline being so excited to tell the grandmother what happened to her um, twin sister at the end uh, that I didn't even consider this not like being real. Yeah. Like how, um, how would she have that information, you know, if it was in her head? The the cat thing is interesting. It almost gave me like, like Alice in Wonderland vibes at the end there. Oh, like Cheshire cat. Cheshire cat. Yeah. Yeah. Disappearing. Yeah. No, you know it. And also, like, Andy, when you were mentioning everybody that is in this movie for voice acting, yeah. oh, man, I think everybody really knocked out of the park. Like, and it's crazy to me that Ian McShane plays Mr. Bobinski, you know, yep. with that accent. He does so well <laughs> with it. And it's just, it's a memorable character, even though you don't get the real Bobinski, like, too much, you know? Yeah. And oh, um, yeah. how did I forget? Fucking Keith David's in this. Yes, as the cat, and like, yeah, all of his lines, <laughs> all of his lines are spot on. Like they're eerie, and they make us, you know, kind of just dive deeper into it. It's like, oh, okay, what does he mean there? You know, and you don't get the answers right away. That's what keeps you going throughout the plot, really. You know. Yeah. And also, like uh, Terry Hatcher playing the voice of regular mom and the other mom. Honestly, every time I watch this movie, I'm so ready for her voice to come up as the other mother in the first scene she's in. Because like, I just think that's a very like nice, uh, you know, kind of just like a, a blend. nice motherly voice. And like the voices are distinct enough from each other, from the real mom and the other mother you know, like, it's just so nice. It kind of lulls you, you know, like Coraline would be lulled a little bit and enchanted. I have a question about like, what was the other, the, I'm gonna call her the witch. I don't, I don't know what her actual name is, but Bel- like Beldam Bel- is Bel- the type of witch she is. But yeah, no, okay. you're right there, Eric, we're, we're yeah. being a witch. Yep. So the witch's intention was to keep Coraline there forever because she wanted a daughter to love or something. Yeah, and, she um, just wanted to eat her from what the cat said. So, so, so cat said both things, which is why I really love his lines and the writing in this movie. It, he said basically like she she wants something or someone to love other than herself, I think. And then he said... Or just wants to like basically consume you, you know, I, that's not the exact thing he said, but yeah, it, I think it's kind of both 
like she's lonely and it's kind of like a witch that just really wants to be a mother and like give all these things to the kid in this facade. And then also like at the end for her to live, she has to consume their souls basically, you know, and that's why the kids were those children that were still in this world that were kept there. So she still has them after she consumes them, you know, if that makes any sense. Kinda. So like, I wonder if it's any relation to that euphemism of like, I could look, I love you so much. I could eat you. Yes, thing. basically. Yeah. No, Eric, I haven't even thought of that. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it has some relation to that. And then, so keeping her parents like abducted away from her to like trap her. Like, so the whole point of that was like to make a game out of it that she would lose because like she basically has to agree to it somehow. Maybe that's the only like way like her thing could work. I don't know. Yeah, I like I always just look at it like a two for one, basically. Like, yeah, you know, doing that game and keeping them going and, you know, kind of sucking them in so that they do. So the uh, buttons into their eyes and she can have their souls basically and also with the, like the buttons in the eyes, like, you know, that phrase, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. Like oh. that's exactly why they use buttons, you know? And like, I read all about that because I was just so fascinated with that. Like, why, why is, why are there buttons being focused on, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so, doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. So the eyes are like representations of the soul. That's why yes. she had to like go back and find their I mean, eyes, which yes. are like represented by various objects. Yep. To free. That represents their souls. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You got it. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. I didn't even Yeah, I'm surprised that. they put that much thought into this. Oh, I know. And I mean, it does help that Coraline is based off of a book written by Neil Gaiman. And Henry Selleck likes to translate Neil Gaiman's work into his movies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was one cool thing from this movie is learning uh, Beldum as a word, uh, meaning like old hag or like malicious witch. Right. I've right. never heard that word before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like when when she first changed, I'm like, of course it's a hag. You <laughs> know, because it's like it's always it's always like a witch portraying to be someone nice and you know, then throwing her true form once the jig is up, you know. Yep. Right. You- but that is a classic thing, but it's it's always good to see. Definitely. Have either of you guys played um two brothers? No, or it's called I've Brothers of that, A though. Tale of Two Sons. I have not. Okay, I, I won't spoil it. It just had a similar thing to this movie that I really liked. For those of you that have played the game out there, it's. I don't know why it had to be a spider at the end. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, the movie <laughs> yeah. Brothers. I've seen that. No, yeah. no, it's a it's a game. Brothers. Is a oh, game. it's a game too. No, I'm referring to the game. <laughs> Eric, I know what movie you're talking about. You know what movie I'm talking about? Yes, I don't yeah. think it has anything to do with what Andy's talking about. No, I'm referring to an old indie game. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Well, why'd the hag have to be a spider? 
I hated that. <laughs> I I know. It creeps know. me out so much. You, you know, though, like it is kind of symbolism with um, the Beldam basically spinning her web and like constructing it for Coraline to be trapped in it, you know? Like oh. it, it is kind of, yeah. Like that's, that's how I think of it basically. So she's, she's heavily in relation to a spider in, in a sense of how she catches her prey. I think that's exactly what it is. Exactly. Okay. Yep. No, definitely. Yeah. Cause and, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's how spiders do. I mean, they kind of uh, lure them in. Exactly. With webs and stuff, and then once they're caught, they uh, go in and trap them. And I, yeah, yeah. You no, know, definitely. Though this movie is creepy all the way through. Mm. I don't think anyone creeps me out mis- more than uh, Mr. Bobinski. <laughs> oh <man. laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just I don't know what it is about him. He just gives me like creepy vibes. Like, ugh, I don't like it. It's his proportions. Yeah, it, yes. that's what creeped me out. It, and, he uh, just looks gross. <laughs> And he's like doing all these acrobatics, but if he's like doing all that, you'd think he'd have more muscle. Isn't it's it just sticks? Isn't it funny how with Mr. Bobinski and him mentioning the mice that you never see the actual like real world mice, but you see them in the other world. And like he mentions those creepy lines to Coraline, like the mice told me to tell you, like, don't go through that door. How would he know that if it actually wasn't real and he was training those mice? You know what I'm saying? Did they? I thought we've seen one scene with the mice where they were eating the cheese that she left out for them. Those were the mice that were, I mean, they were camouflaged as mice. They were actually rats and they had the buttons on their eyes for sure. So they were from the other world. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognize that. I thought they were almost like, um, was it lemmings or something like that? Like it didn't look like a mouse. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had <laughs> absurdly long tails. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> I call them uh, monkey mice. Monkey mice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and when I did say, like, how dark this movie actually is, when you really look at the undertones, it, like, I always think of that scene where, you know how the other YB was starting to wither away when he showed his hand and he blew it away? in front of Coraline. Yeah. And the other mother ended up stringing him to the pole above Bobinski's apartment or townhouse well, or whatever it is. That was and just like, his clothes though. I did. We didn't know what actually happened to him. I think she strung him up and he just withered away in the wind because the wind was flapping his clothes, you know? Oh. Yeah. So like, that's why I think it's so dark. She just, yeah. Like I think she, Took him, strung him up there, and he just withered away up there. Interesting. Are those, do you think those are other souls as well that are just body formed? Good question. I have thought about that. Like if, if she's taken like, you know, just regular rats and taking their souls away because it's so easy to just, you know, like instead of a kid that has their own mind and can like you know do stuff like an ant taking an animal from the real world and using them i don't know i i almost want to say she just made up what she could from her magic because like why be being that kind of dust stuff underneath and the other father also like 
be, being made out of a pumpkin, I think she just took things that she could and made them animated. Oh, is that what he was? I was wondering why he was getting bigger. And yes. So yeah. Actually, away. like when you rewatch this movie, like why I think it's so rewatchable is you kind of catch new things every time almost and understand it deeper where like the other mother said, Hey, can you go fetch your father? I bet he's as hungry as a pumpkin by now. There's oh. lines like that where it just, it kind of foreshadows what's going to happen. And it's very creepy in that sense too, you know? Squish squash. <laughs> Squish squash. <laughs> yeah. So like, did, uh, was the father, like, why did he turn into a pumpkin? I want to say she just, I don't. I think you're saying that he was always a pumpkin, right? He was always yeah, he was made out of a pumpkin, basically, and just animal oh. through that. You know, he was just kind of reshaped into what her father. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Magic you, is using magic, magic is crazy. Sure she could do that, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. There, you can get very imaginative with however it goes down. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, did. I haven't looked too much into the lore of this movie or read the other book or the, the book of this. Is YB explained more of like, is y- is he hated by his family? Like, why'd they name him that? YB is actually not in the book. He was made up for this movie. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Yes. Yeah. He wasn't a character in the book at all. And actually, I enjoy that he's in this movie because, you know, it just... It, it's not like, oh, Coraline is totally solo and like doesn't have any friends or anything. She's like, you know, with the whole realizing the other world is not what it's made out to be. And the whole facade comes down and her at the end realizing that all this stuff in the real world is actually worth being around and that like Oregon can be a beautiful place, like especially when the other mother's hand comes out at the end at night there's beautiful cherry blossoms you know like cherry blossom trees oh yes yeah like it you're kind of in Coraline's perspective there where she's like oh this place isn't so bad you know once once I realize everything that I wanted isn't actually what I wanted but yeah yeah Hmm. interesting him having his head canted throughout this movie just made me consciously have to correct my posture as I was watching <laughs> this. Oh man, his neck will be out of place forever. Yeah. Same with her dad too. Oh yeah, staring at the computer that way. Oh man, no yeah. he has that posture already. I mean, when he was first, uh, when we first saw him, when he was sitting there writing, all I could stare at was his neck because he was like hunched over and his neck stuck out so far in front of his body. <laughs> like what? I was just more intrigued by it. It's like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Everybody's got very weird proportions, uh, especially mm-hmm. um, Miss uh, Spink and Forcible. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, that kind of grossed me out, especially when they did that whole um, that whole play acting. Yeah, and, um, and then all of a sudden she's just naked. I'm like, oh no, stop it! <laughs> I know, even Coraline, you know what we're thinking. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think it definitely is ridiculous on purpose like that, you know. Not not a weird thing to have, but Yeah. Were they, they actually uh psychics though? Cuz there is actually things that she acquired that uh or I guess either knowledge or equipment that she acquired from them that actually helped her in the other world good in different ways like, like the uh basically it was kind of a MacGuffin in the movie with that yeah. uh, scene thing right that they gave her yeah that like triangle yeah thing. yeah i don't know if they were actually psychic because they seemed full of themselves and they thought they could they did so much right and they weren't in their prime anymore and they're trying to hold on to it right but I think it, it was kind of that to show that like in real life, there are helpful people and she wasn't alone the whole time. They like the cat, Mr. Bobinski and Miss forcible and Sphinx. Like they were there to help her and they were all pretty much warning her to not go to that other world, you know? So I guess that implies that the other world was always there because of YB's uh, grandma, grandma sister. grandma's sister. Yep. Probably warned him about um, her, and that's why he wasn't allowed in the house. Exactly. And I'm assuming word travels around from there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think the grandma had like knowledge of the witch, but she had knowledge that her sister went missing in that, oh. you know, so she's like, ah, that's dangerous. Stay away. Basically. I want yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been cool to like, know a little bit of a backstory on that. Maybe there, there'll be like a, a prequel or something oh. in the future at wow. some point. I would love any of this story, speculate, but Yeah. No, definitely. There, there's been talk about uh, live action and stuff. I, I don't know what the Disney movies, you know, and their live action success. I don't know if I want it. There's got to be like, yeah, I don't know about all that. I mean, yeah, yeah, if, yeah Disney likes to change things up a lot uh, from the source. Oh, definitely. The only problem with the prequel is you kind of run into that Rogue One issue where you're watching the whole movie knowing everyone dies type of thing oh fair because i you're gonna didn't know. expect i actually didn't expect everyone to die because the whole thing was they were supposed to get the plans i mean either they i mean we knew they were gonna fail in getting the plans or actually they did get the plans they did. yep yeah yeah they just i think they blew the whole thing up anyways it's not gonna <laughs> rogue one spoilers too much <laughs> I think they could do a sequel to this movie because I was just waiting since it's been so long. I couldn't remember if there was a hint. I was really just waiting for the hand to crawl back up the well or something like that. At sure. the end. Uh, some sort of hint that she might not be fully defeated. Um, yeah. So I think they could totally figure out a way to once like a uh, sequel to this once like Coraline's family moves out of that house and then another family comes in unaware no i get you there yeah that would be cool oh definitely yeah uh, i could i could definitely see this being a live action uh i do think they had plans for that originally 
mm-hmm. then it ended up being animation instead, uh, which better for it. I think it, it had more success than it would have done live action. Right. I I wonder if uh, going back to your question about sequel, like I do wonder if the other mother is actually gone gone. And I do love that line with with the writing. I love in general. I love that line where uh, Coraline's escaping through the tunnel, and she said, "Like, like, don't go. I'll die without you." You know, like. So I wonder if she ended up withering away because she had no access to consuming a soul, what she needed to live. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't show us a body. We just see the hand get crushed. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And also it's very interesting with the whole doll thing. I thought it was a really cool and creative way of the witch spying on each kid and the kids not knowing it. It's like such a innocent doll. Like, Oh, I can play with this. It looks like me. This is so cool. But at the same time, yeah, it's the witch being able to spy on them and like, you know, figure out more of the individual and what their lives are like and how she can play it up better, right? I did like that. I think that is one of my favorite things along with, uh, as I watched through this movie, trying to point out everything to myself. Mm -hmm. It was the exact um, opposite from her world. Like the the bunny slippers being orange instead of blue and... um, just different things like the dad being a good singer and, or um, being able to write songs and just everything being the exact opposite of what Coraline was experiencing in her life that she didn't like, or even things that just to make it alternate that like the slippers. Right. Right. Yeah. And I do love that, you know, the whole intro to the movie was the bell down, like making her doll you know, and just kind of setting us up for that. Yeah, yeah. A very good intro as well that brings you right into the mood that this movie's going to bring. Exactly. Yeah, the creepiness already. Yeah. One thing I have about the doll is uh, YB gave her that doll because he found it in his grandma's trunk. And if he wasn't allowed... Oh, okay. So this (laughs) must be like a whole witch thing because... Did YV actually know that he gave her the doll? He did, didn't he? Yes. Yep. So, if anything, he'd have to know about something because if he found it in uh, her grandma's trunk, either the the doll just spawned in there and he found it and was just like... Because he wasn't allowed in the house in the first place. So, right. what was he doing in there? I Yeah, I do think that, like, you know, at the end of the... En- the intro to the movie where she kind of sends it out that window. It is kind of just placing it probably wherever the last doll was. I'm guessing his grandma's parents didn't really figure out anything about the doll like Coraline did, you know, they didn't get there. So like they left the doll for safekeeping and basically she altered it. And then YB would not know, Oh, this doll does something. And this is why my, you know, basically great aunt disappeared, you know, he's a kid and he's just like, Oh, it looks like Coraline. Like I will give her a nice gift basically, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. 
think that's I think that's the route they took. But yeah, and all in all, it just it, it's very cryptic in uh, some of its meaning. Uh, it's food for thought for most of it. I mean, I, I guess for most of it, for some of it, and like you said. Uh, the more you watch it, there's m- more to expose just from just from the story. So, definitely, yeah, definitely. I think it could be the animation style why this movie keeps giving me video game vibes. Mm-hmm. Have either of you guys played Bioshock, the first one? No, I've not. Okay, <laughs> no spoilers, but like the general um, feeling of like the first few levels of that game is like for for me almost parallel to when she went in and started doing the the quest uh in the other world uh is the game with the the other mother and like finding the eyes and going to these different areas and just the kind of vibe that each of those gave me was like doing quests in bioshock and it's just like the creep factor of knowing that you're walking into somewhere where there's probably a psycho that's waiting to try and kill you uh, right each one you just gotta get your thing and get out of there no yeah it does give you like video game vibes in that aspect because you know it's the it's classic like three. go to this place deal with whoever's protecting it and then grab your thing and then go on to the next one do the same thing until you get all of them and then return back to where you uh were sent from yep always three yep always three rule of three <laughs> No, definitely. Good number. Yeah. Just trio, triad, anything. Yeah. I I get that for sure. I think that was definitely a a good addition for her to have to do that and kind of play into the other mother's wishes and interests where she's like, hey, you want to play a game? Like she had to do something to be able to get out of her clutches, you know? Yeah, so, like just very, very smart thinking by Coraline. And like, I just, I really enjoy that this whole story, basically, like it was a lot of character development for the character that we followed the whole time. It wasn't just, oh, that was scary. You know, okay, you know, just move on. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, like she, like I said, she realized that Oregon can be a home and that like her parents aren't treating her the way she really thinks, you know, and she's just super bored. And the, you know, us as parents, or, I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but you know, it's going to be hard to completely fill that, you know, for our kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to like where I was saying, like, it's kind of unrealistic standards of exactly, you know, what we want from our parents most of the time. So Right. No, definitely. Oh, yeah. And going back to the live action thing, thankfully this isn't Disney and that Disney cannot mess with it. It's, yeah, <laughs> Laika. Did, did you guys know that Laika is headed by Travis Knight, the son of Phil Knight, which is the guy, head of Nike, you know? Oh. he Yeah, he gave Travis Knight an uh, animation studio like just here you go because Travis Knight was so into animation and everybody was kind of, you know, freaked out by that. Like, Oh, this rich kid of this rich dad is 
just gaining a studio real quick. (laughs) What is he going to do with this? You know, (laughs) like, yeah, but no, like, uh, obviously with bringing on Henry Selleck, like you already are selecting the right people. And right. This was such a success, I would say. And Travis Knight actually ended up directing one of Leica's movies himself. So showing his talent, not from behind, behind, behind the scenes, but like actually stepping into that role. He did Cubo and the uh, three strings. I want to say uh, 10. Oh, is it 10 strings? I think it was 10. There we go. Yeah. I, I just watched that movie like maybe a couple months ago for the first time, but oh man, just like definitely is like Coraline style. Thank goodness. Cause I love it you know, the style of stop motion animation. And that was such an amazing movie. I thought too. Just impressive. Yeah. I was off. Sorry. It's two strings. Oh, it's two. We were both off Andy. Yeah. Dang. I never watched that one. It looked good. It's just not one of those ones I ever ended up seeing. Well, now that I've seen it, I would give you guys that recommendation after this one. And you might enjoy it a little bit, maybe even more if, Eric, I think you're into anime, right? Yeah. Okay. Andy, are you? Yeah. Yeah, I watch a few. Okay. Yeah, I think it does have some anime roots with Japanese culture and stuff like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think you guys would really enjoy it if you enjoyed this one. Interesting. And anybody well, listening. Yeah. It's recent. You know that movie uh, Nine? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that was actually going to be my like double feature recommendation for this one. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just I was just intrigued that that came out. Who's actually? It was either inspired year. by Tim Burton, or I don't. I don't think he has any uh, involvement in it, other than I'll look whatever he wrote. I want to say he maybe did have like at least a little involvement. If I'm wrong, like more involvement. Uh, yeah. Oh, he, he oh, produced it. Okay, he did. Yeah, oh. he had like different writers and directors and stuff. So he he was pretty much hand off, hands off, other than producing it. Oh, definitely. Okay. Oh. So and yeah, that was the movie that came out in two thousand nine that we thought that was like his movie, but it's actually not. Sure, sure. And I mean, there is a lot of that. My wife just asked me the other night, like, okay, so why is Tim Burton putting his name on all these things and stuff? <laughs> right. And, I mean, <laughs> right just away. like Tom Clancy. You see that, that money. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And right away, I kind of took offense to it because I like, I love Tim Burton to death. And, you know, even though Coraline and I mean, even The Nightmare Before Christmas, he didn't direct it or like follow through with it but it was his baby and if you look at his college stuff with like drawings and such you can see his style like come through in the nightmare before christmas henry selick kind of absolutely henry selick is close to his style but also no he has his own style with like Coraline and wendell and wild is also like on netflix that that one I love too. You know, it does have its problems and it's not as perfect as Coraline, I would say. But like, like this yeah. one, I I could see the direct relation in the director with um, James and the Giant Peach. There like, we go. Yep, Henry Selleck. Coraline and yeah, and that are pretty close to me. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense that those are the same director. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And like Tim Burton, you know, it's not him being like an ego, egotistic maniac, just posting his name on this stuff. It's, you know, he is helping people out by putting his name on it. You it's know? like an endorsement. Exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, he does have involvement and in his own right, the movies he has directed like Edward Scissorhands and Frank and Weenie. And, I mean, those are just a couple off my head, but yeah. like, and Beetlejuice, like he is a master in his own right. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, Oh, he's just putting his name on these. He's really not that talented. No, not at all. You know? Yeah. I'm glad you brought up nine. Uh, I was actually going to recommend that as the, like, if you want more of Coraline, that's the one that pops into my head. Like, I haven't there's seen a lot of movies I could see being re- related to this in the theme. Uh, but nine is one of those movies that, from what I remember, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Then, like, oh, uh, from the kid's point of view, everything was dark and dreary. Kind of like just the adventure, uh, everything like that. Uh, in my kid memory of both Coraline and Nine, that these two movies were kind of correlated. Right. Both came out in the same year, um, same producer uh, focus was uh, worked on both those. The style of writing was trending back then. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's a lot of depressing movies in the in the late 2010s or 2000s. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I I definitely want to. Now that you guys bring it up, I want to. Yeah, I want to watch Nine now. Yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah, I haven't seen it forever either. Definitely, I give it a rewatch. Yeah, that one might also be stop motion. I can't. Recall. It's not. It's uh. <laughs> no. It's it's just animation. Yes. Like CGI animation. stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah. And also, like you could compare like a tale like Coraline to Grim Tales, like you know, um, Red Riding Hood, and Oh yep. and Gretel. You know, those, but more grim, the creepier stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah the original German tales. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Before we they were this... uh, Disneyfied and brought to the mass appeal. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Popular, popularizing it. Yeah. Yep. Kind of dressed or gentrified. up. gentrified. Yep. <laughs> dressed up <laughs> more to be so happy, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Do you guys have anything else on Coraline? Uh, that's that's pretty much all I got. You got anything, Hunter? We've covered a lot on it, you know? And like you guys said, it it is a shorter movie, you know? So, yeah. like, we don't have three hours to pick, pick upon, you know? Yeah, no, it'd be way yeah. different if that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I, I feel like it, it was, it, it's a good amount of time for what needed to be said there was a whole like the it didn't seem like for it being a shorter movie it didn't seem like the whole story was rushed at all like there was a lot of exposition going on no no it was perfect and kind of the like i mentioned you know re-watching this movie over and over again like i have you know those little lines in the creepy lines from especially the cat and, you know, the other mother, like the plot doesn't let you on to everything that's going on in a good pace too. Like it just gives you a little hint after little hint and the whole, the whole curtain drops 
on everything like very well. I, I mm-hmm. loved what they did. And especially, you know, like Coraline going into that room with the door. And uh, did you guys notice that uh, little painting with the kid with the ice cream? How in the real yeah. world, it, it was a sad thing where he dropped his ice cream on the ground. And in the other world, like just dress it up happy, you know, and he has, he has the ice cream still on the cone and licking it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Just those like little details. But like, I love when Coraline enters the room and all those colors it, this movie is so colorful. I, yeah, I love it, especially with this 4k version that I have. And I have those Philips Hue lights behind my TV. The Me too. Strip. You do Eric. Oh man. I do. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Like um that's why like like it was funny you say that because um I just I just got those like a week ago. And awesome. before even like the podcast or anything, Courtney didn't even know he's like, we gotta watch Coraline with these lights. Yes. And I'm like Actually, I got to watch that anyway. So, <laughs> my gosh. Okay. So, like, it just works out. That's actually weird. Yeah. That, you know, like, <laughs> funny how it works. Yeah. Out. So, it, like, with the lights, it was just fucking, it was just awesome. The sink. You see right? all that. Yeah. The sink lights. Yep. 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 That's something I'll look into when I get home. Absolutely. Indeed. Yes. That's good. That has to go into your home theater set up wherever you have it you know you don't have to have an amazing actual home theater but it really adds to it honestly and just throughout the day i will put those lights on something you know i just like having them they're very bright and i also have hue light bulbs in lamps like two lamps next to the tv like one on each side and those oh yep pink lights too and then uh, our kitchen island. I put Hue light bulbs in those too. <laughs> our whole. So you got the whole house synced yeah. up to the TV. Yeah, the whole apartment is just lit up. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh man, I love that for sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, one comment I do have before we close out here. Uh, I didn't realize watching through this again how early in the movie all the chaos goes down. Yes. Like I, I think I flick my thing to see where I was at and it was almost like exactly at the halfway mark of when she goes back and the jig is up. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. how Look, are we gonna was, yeah. do this final act with forty eight minutes still. Right. Like, and it, it, it builds up nicely. Really good and it doesn't feel rushed or lengthy. Like I don't this is a perfect um, time, like runtime for this movie. Definitely. But yeah, perfect pacing, like I said, like the, even just adapting it from the book. I mean, it must've been a little bit of a challenge to, um, just like any book to movie to translate it to the screen. And the writing was just so well done. I haven't read the book, but I just, you know, I can't imagine how maybe a little, a little difficult it was to do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like, there is a there is a common problem with uh, book adaptations to movies to where they they like to have all the exposition like for the first like 80 percent of the movie. And then the last 20 percent is everything coming down and then it's all it gets all wrapped up. But like, yeah, with this, like you said, it was that right at the halfway point to where the actually like adventure the, you know, I guess the quest uh, gets involved and in what she has to do and 
yeah, it, it's really good. Right. The, yeah, the writing on the script has a lot to do with that, you know, not like, like you were saying a bunch of exposition, like, you know, I've seen plenty of movies where they will give a character so much exposition, but like oh, yeah. th- this exposition was laid out through a couple different characters, which I really appreciated, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, the fact that you say that Wylan or YB. Yep. Yeah. Yborn. <laughs> Yborn. Yeah. You, the fact that you say that Yborn wasn't even in the book he's yeah. used just for this movie it just shows that it was a creative like take on the book instead of just trying to adapt it as close as they can, you know? Right, right. I'm sure it was easier to write the book like just through the perspective of Coraline, but with the movie, you know, like, it, yeah, I think it definitely benefited the translating it to film and on the screen with adding yeah. that character for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what have you guys been watching lately? Anything good? Eric, you go ahead. Let's see. What have what have I watched? Uh, hold on. I, I might need a minute. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I, I have yeah. terrible memory. I have to search through my memory for a minute. Oh, do it. Do it. He's doing that. I want to tell you guys about one that uh, surprised me lately. Okay. Okay. I'm ready, Andy. Directed by, you might know this one already. Directed by Olivia Wilde in only her second directorial debut. Oh, I Don't worry, you. darling. Okay. It's uh, Florence Pugh as the main character. Mm-hmm. And Harry Styles is the uh, supporting actor. It's got a whole bunch of other people. Like Olivia Wilde herself stars in it. And you got Nick Kroll and Chris Pine. Oh, yeah. On uh, supporting roles. This movie shocked me. So I... Yeah, what would you think? Seen on Netflix for a while. I've mm-hmm. heard mixed things about it. I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a watch. It looks like the perfect thing for my mood today. And I knew it had like a, it's got like a six star rating on IMDb. So I'm like, okay, maybe it'll be just a good background movie. Okay. I did not do any cleaning because I got so hooked into this. You movie. were sucked in, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like this one was good. And I, I highly recommend it. It is not what it looks like on the outset. Mm-mm. It is, uh, I'd say a suspenseful thriller drama i would agree i'd agree with that yeah you've seen this one i i have no i'm gonna let you keep talking don't don't worry (laughs) yeah yeah this i love it i i don't think i've seen styles acting other than his one cameo in dunkirk uh, eternals or whatever it was oh yeah and dunkirk Mm -hmm. i forgot he's in that he he did really good in this i was impressed and florence Pugh, of course is kind of the main reason i i picked this movie even to watch because oh, yeah. she's just been on a roll with good movies. For sure. But yeah, this this one's a high recommend for me. It's on Netflix streaming right now. Recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Oh, interesting. Don't worry, darling. I like your thoughts. Okay. It'll yeah. all be okay. <laughs> it came out last year. It's it took some turns I was not expecting. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's uh it's really good. Wait, you watched it too, Eric? I have. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I seen it like back when it first came out. That's why I was like, I'm like, have I seen that? I was like, as you were explaining it, I'm like, oh yeah, Harry Styles and um, what? Sorry, what's her name? Florence Pugh. Pugh. Yeah. Florence Pugh. Yeah. Because yeah, like, we, oh, yeah. <laughs> we we covered Midsummer. 
Yeah, I listened. A couple episodes back. Yep. And I was like, this girl's just on fire. Like, everything I see her in, yeah. crushing it. Like, Black Widow, like Hawkeye, she's just stand out. And so I just had to watch this. It's really encouraging how good she is and, like, an actress that we're going to have around for a long time. Yeah, she's young. She's a, she, I think she's our age. I think so. I think so. Uh, and I do, I do agree with a lot of your guys' thoughts on it. Honestly, like, you know, all the ideas that it had, I don't think it executed every single one very well mm-hmm. or like fully, but I did really enjoy the idea of it, you know, and the acting performances really helped. I was just telling a coworker that just watched it last night. It's just kind of funny that you guys are bringing it up now. <laughs> but yeah, a coworker of mine, he texted me and he said that he watched it. And I knew he watched Black Mirror too. And do you guys watch Black Mirror? Oh, yes. yeah. Okay, yeah, perfect. <laughs> I think I heard you guys on a pod talk about it a little bit. Yeah. But I... I can compare it to one exact episode of Black Mirror, Beyond the Sea, in season the new season here. Yes, it even has. Oh, yes, it's exactly some of the same that. soundtracks. Yeah, in this movie. Yeah, and around you know, kind of the same time period, you know, and just tr- yep. kind of transporting, you know, right? You know, oh, futuristic, man. but uh, mimicking the the fifties lifestyle and. Right, right. Yeah. I just I thought Beyond the Sea was a much better and more perfect example of it i would say yes i i would definitely put beyond the sea way above this thank you but okay all right i'm yeah, glad i'm not yeah, alone I, I agree with that <laughs> <laughs> for sure no and uh I'm, I'm sorry to keep talking here i know you guys asked like you know what we've been watching um wait eric have you thought i have okay. yeah okay. so we recently started getting into the Conjuring series, hey, and all right. Cause my mom told me to watch them in order. She's like, "Google what to watch in order," because like, oh, <laughs> this is cool. I get to see something in chronological order that you know came out in different times, but like the same story. Like, this is gonna yeah. be great. It's yeah. Turning so, into Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. So we started with the Nun, and then we watched, and well. Was it Annabelle? Annabelle, yeah, I think those come. Yeah, out. Annabelle creation last weekend. Annabelle, so creation. we're we're getting through it. So I mean, we're only two movies in, but like, yeah, I'm excited to see the rest of them. But like, from what I've seen so far, it's just like one one gripe I do have about them is their sound design is just insane because they're whispering pretty much throughout the whole movie. I'm like, what are they saying? And then I turned it up and then they like to do this really, really loud music during the scary parts. And then it's more of like, I'm in an apartment. I have to turn this down. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> you know, Sono sound bar. Like it's the bass. <laughs> yeah. I can't turn it. Yeah. Low. The bass and everything, all the really loud sounds like, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's spooky, but like, holy shit, you don't need to blow my eardrums out. Yeah. But I guess, you know, that's, that's a part of the experience. Right. So, I mean, I can't blame them for wanting to do something like that. I just wish it was like more balanced in terms of like, the talking between the talking and the scary parts. 
You, I know. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that one up because uh, the Nun Two is uh, upcoming to release here soon. Uh, Actually, it's, it's released. Um, it's in theaters right now. I think it's the oh yeah, that's right. Week already. Um, yeah, my buddies and I went. Every preview ad I've seen of it has that same exact thing. They were whispering. You're trying to listen in, like, okay, what are they talking about? <laughs> and then you get the jump scare, and all of a sudden, whole theater's fucking loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Your ears are ringing, and you're like, you're, you're jump scared just because of the noise. Exactly. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, that's a good series. That one's close to my heart. Is one that uh, kind of did it right for the most part. Yeah, I'm debating watching the rest of it with uh, headphones. So I'm not like taking my experience, taking away from my experience by like having to turn down the volume, but also experiencing it like for what it is. Yeah, you might have to. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you guys are going through the Conjuring series. That's one of my favorite horror series. And, you know, I will say some of the series spinoffs like uh, the Curse of La Llorona and the first Annabelle. And then the first nun, I would say those, those definitely could have been better. I, I don't want to rag on them, you know, cause people put their heart and souls probably into it. I, I would hope. Yeah. You know? And, um, just, yeah, you know, comparing it to the conjurings and even the conjuring three, that, that one was like a little disappointing, you know, I thought yeah. you have done more. Like I've seen what you can do. You know, so like that's the reference I have. And I would say The Conjuring 2 would probably be my favorite out of the whole Conjuring universe. And then Annabelle Creation is super good, actually, as a sequel in the Annabelle. Oh, yeah. You know, like I I really enjoyed it. Big step above the first Annabelle. Yeah, I actually haven't seen the first Annabelle. So like, I'm like, like I said, I'm watching it in chronological order. So I'm about to I have to watch Annabelle next. Okay. So I don't know if it's like, I don't, like, honestly, I, I'm wondering if like, if it's the weird thing to do to just kind of watching chronological order. Cause it's like, it kind of sucks to have to watch a series in such a weird release time thing. Cause there's right. so many yeah. prequels and sequels and all that stuff. You get right. jumps in like, quality, especially how yeah, the jumps is. in quality. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. I, it's I like watching a, Marvel and chronological and you get from Avengers straight to Captain Marvel. And yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Good comparison, uh, Andy. <laughs> no, for sure. No, I hope you guys get all the way through it. Yeah. And actually it was funny that we brought up, don't worry, darling. I would say that would fit into the theme of Coraline kind of stepping into a different world, you know? Yeah. Like a, a better one. It's kind of like a reverse uh, Coraline, I would say. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least in the men's view. The yeah, exactly. World of Don't worry, <laughs> darling, is better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not in the women's. I, oh, man. I, oh, oh, man. That's, that's absolutely terrible. It angered me so much. It did. Yeah. It's like, you really have to. Uh, it's, it's the low point of humanity at that point. Yeah, the so masculine like, stuff, right? Well, you Hunter, yeah. any uh, big releases lately that you've been seeing or any um, past movies you finally watched? So, yeah, I, I just went to The Nun 2, like I said. 
in theaters. That was the last movie I've been to in theaters. And then I'm trying to start my wife on sex education, the Netflix yes. series. Yes. I started Season watching four that just too. came out. Yeah. Right. That's why I'm trying to get her on it. And I like at work, um, I'm training for a new job right now. So I definitely needed something to fill my mind during lunch and movies yeah. and series yeah. my comfort. So I wanted to throw on the new sex education season. I watched one episode, episode in and you know loving it so far good thing um thank god dan levy's in it dan levy is amazing <laughs> he's oh man yeah. as a professor like i told i told my wife too you know she got me into Shit's creek and i uh just finished watching that all the way through just recently and thankfully she did because i love yeah dan levy is such a treasure <laughs> <laughs> i love that guy very happy with uh, Asa Butterfield in that. Um, been seeing him in more lately. I think he's also one of those up and coming. Uh, I guess consider him a Zoomer. I think he's a little older than us, but right. Actors in Florence Pugh's age group that's uh, really starting to shine. Oh, exactly. And I was super happy to see some of the sex education actors and actresses um, in. Barbie, the Barbie movie. I'm sure Greta Gerwig <laughs> was a huge fan of sex education. I can't explain how else yeah. she would want all those people, you know? And Nell was watching it before she ever really knew about sex education, uh, my wife. And uh, I'm like, that person's in sex education? That person's in sex education? You know, we got to watch. Huh. Yeah, I still haven't seen Barbie yet, so I got to oh. get on that one. Oh, man. Have, you guys have seen Oppenheimer, though, right? I have. Okay. I have not. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'm waiting for it to come out on streaming now because uh, I missed the opportunity to go watch it. I've heard so much about it. I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. And then, <laughs> yeah, yep. never ended up doing it. Same for me for Barbie. I'm like at the other half. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, both of them will be on some sort of streamer for free. But like, yeah, my, my wife and I did do the double feature, not in the same day. We did a, uh, we did Friday Oppenheimer and then Saturday Barbie. <laughs> Kind of to be on a happier note. Quite the paradigm shift. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no. And both both were amazing in their own right, I gotta say. Honestly. I came out of the end of Oppenheimer like feeling hopeless almost. <laughs> oh no, yeah. It destroys your soul. Like you have yeah. not oh, a lot of hope for the world after that one. You like, know? Oh, that's sad. It's only like just I think two years ago or something where they finally like reverted his status. To what it was before like they gave him his clearance back though he's long dead now so it's more of a good faith gesture than anything but <laughs> that's yeah. messed up a post posthumous thing is that how you say yeah it? yeah like oh man yeah a little too late there guys <laughs> it just yeah it sucks um yeah and i do feel like theaters and movies should do more of those like Double features, whoever's on the marketing team for both. Um, I amazing. guarantee we're going to see some, but the Barbieheimer thing was just one of those accidents that like just did so well, like Minions or um, Morbius. Like Just sometimes memes are they're starting to realize are really motivating factors for movie populace. Right, right. No, for sure. And I, I think it just went to show like with this double feature that like, you know, it's supposed to be quality over quantity. Don't be pumping these things out, you know, and mm -hmm. lackluster things. 
So like, yeah, like I think people are craving those events, you know, like I think we should have them every once in a while, not all the time, like these Marvel movies and gives you something to look forward to. Exactly. Gets you excited about movies again. Right, right. And getting people to the theater. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Just personally, and it could just be the environment I'm in down here. I've been so impassioned with movies as of this last year uh, compared to previous years. I got to expose myself to some other different types of theaters that we don't have back in the Midwest. And (laughs) tried uh, draft houses down here, like uh, Alamo Draft House. I'm so jealous of you right now, Andy. They're <laughs> just you mentioning that you <laughs> step above Son any other bitch. movie experience I've had. Like the, it's just something I've never thought about that you could improve the movie experience rather than just mm-hmm. showing the movie. Like putting related clips, uh, interviews, things like that, instead of just your normal directorial movie previews. Mm-hmm. Uh, before a show like changes the experience so much i believe it yeah i just i've been so happy with movies since i've been down here and uh it's been a big part to the theater experiences and getting to see some of that stuff like oppenheimer they had old 50s commercials oh before it that's so it's cool. just that's amazing absolutely meant for the experience i'm really happy to hear you say that honestly like anybody that gets more into movies and appreciates them more on a deeper like a deeper level like oh man you know even if i don't contribute to that i'm just happy to see it because yeah movies are such a big part of my world and life you know and like with how long it takes for them to do or like in consumption of time and money that goes into these movies, you'd think they put more into like the overall peripherals of like, like you said, the, the whole fifties commercials before Oppenheimer, like, you know, you think they do that more often instead of like, uh, you know, pump, like, uh, like what Hunter said, pumping out a movie every, every year or every two years or something just to make a sequel, you know, or remake of some sort, the corporate things, right? It's kind yeah. of insane that we haven't seen as many like production companies starting their own theaters. Like they could of course show their competitors as well as their own movies, but they could do so much to make their own movies stand out that I feel like they're just not capitalizing on. Like A24, I want to say, right? Oh, yeah. Oh man, they could buy up so many theaters and make them really, really great. Oh yeah. yeah. And especially yeah, imagine the, like Indian and in, yeah. Indie movies. Yeah. You know? Imagine the experience you could have if you capitalized movie theater based around like the genre, the a 24 covers like that thriller suspense, psychological stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you could do a lot of good things with theaters that sadly we just haven't been seeing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, especially with the technology we have now, like we were just talking about the Philips Hue lights, like, why don't they put something like that in theaters? I mean, yeah, that's their whole profit base is making the experience greater. Like, why can't it just be enhanced? I mean, I guess there is something to uh, to take from like being in a theater and it's all dark and all you, you know, all you could see is the movie and stuff. Yeah, I feel like there's just like 
you know, with the surround sound that goes into it and all that stuff, you could probably add more to the experience than just that, you know? Definitely. Mm. I think the Philips Hue, more than anything, like especially the sync option, I think it expands the screen more. It's not really distracting. If you don't have the brightness all the way up at 100%, it's not not too distracting you can play around with it for personal preference and that's the best thing that's you know yeah amazing um and also one thing i will leave off on like w- while we're talking about like watching new stuff and how andy was saying in texas you got you know really cool features to these movie going experiences other than what we have like besides what we have up in the midwest here my wife and i about like a year ago we went to the fargo theater and uh mike flanagan do you guys know him at all yeah yep. okay perfect yeah yeah uh him and his wife kate siegel uh the actress that is in a lot of his projects uh they uh came to the fargo film festival to speak and answer questions and oh, yeah my awesome. wife and i were sitting in the audience and oh man it was just so amazing to hear both those people like talk about film in general and their love for it and just being willing to come up to a place like this where there's not much influence in film guys it's really tough to talk to people about movies around here (laughs) i'm not faulting tell me about it i'm not faulting anybody at all like it's just you know like i that's what i'm trying to do with my movie mondays on social media here is just expose people to more of it and show them how movies can help them in their lives and Mike Flanagan will have the house, the fall of the house of Usher coming here to Netflix, October 12th. And I am so stoked. That's what I was trying to get to, but awesome. Oh man. Yeah. I'm trying to read the short story right now before I watch it. Yeah. I've, I've always really wanted to get into his uh, haunting series. Um, like my, my biggest one by him is uh, Dr. Sleep. It's, oh, it's I like top five horror movies for me i want to watch that really bad i figured i should watch the shining before checking it out for those more sensitive to like drama stuff like that uh, there is a scene in there that's a little gruesome Mm. i think near the first hour ish it's a good movie it's i really enjoyed it oh no i'm so stoked and i love rebecca ferguson i know she's in there and ewan mcgregor but yeah, why I wanted to talk about the fall of House of Usher, just, you know, spooky season spirit, you know, I, I think it's going to be super good. Early reviews are already coming out that seem super promising, you know, and Mike Flanagan, like, since we're talking about a creepy movie that is really into story, Coraline, you know, like the story was just amazing. And it was more than just, you know, little uh, jump scares here and there, you know like a lot of horror movies are like Mike Flanagan focuses on story. That's what I really appreciate about it. Like it's, it's emotional, even though you can be scared. Like I, you know, I want Mm -hmm. to feel that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fear is an emotion. And if like you, like I think uh, most like I'm going to bring up, well, Conjuring is good. I want to say like, uh, like, but like a lot of those horror movies, they really want to capitalize on like the jump scares and the, you can guess the formula before it even happens. You know, you think it's going to happen and then it doesn't happen and then it happens, 
You know what I mean? It, it seems like they do it every time. But like, I like the slow burn of like the fear more than uh, just the shocky pop-ups, you know? Definitely. And like, you know, when a character dies in a horror movie, like, you know, most of the time you want to be emotionally invested. So you actually feel something if one of those characters goes away, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's exactly what Mike Flanagan does. I, I get what you're saying, Eric, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. So if you guys want to reach out to us and send us some suggestions, we are on Instagram at hazardous opinions pod. And we also have a Gmail hazardous opinions pod at gmail.com. And then uh, we also have a discord that we like to chat with people at. Uh, you can have some more live conversations with us if you'd like. The invite link is in the description to join that. But yeah. You guys have anything else about Coraline or vast movie experiences of the 21st century? Oh, man. No, I mean, it's been a great year for movies. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we covered this. This, uh, I, I, I suppose it could be a classic at this point. I don't know what you consider. I think after 10 years, it's it, a classic, right? It's 15 now, 14 years. 15 years. Yeah. We're revisiting this classic before uh we get into more spooky movies yeah yeah no i'll take that eric like it's it's already been a classic for me for years like (laughs) no i i know people will give me a little bit of shit for watching it so many times but there's a reason for it you know it does absolutely a special place in my heart and yeah quite a few films do and yeah like you said eric it's it's been a good movie year and I just, yeah, I hope things keep looking up, especially after this, uh, since uh, the writer's strike is done, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like those guys deserve it for sure. And absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully like if anything, I mean, for it being their brainchild, I mean, they should be paid more than, well, I don't want to say actors because they, they do have to do a lot of work yes. I mean, for their talent and stuff, but Agreed. Yeah, they do deserve to be paid a lot more. Yeah, better working conditions and actually have like health insurance and things like that. Because I know <laughs> yeah. I know quite a, like a majority of that population in the film world, like they don't get what these higher ups get for benefits. Yeah. You know, they don't even reach it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Plus, if they're uh, paid more, they're more motivated to do it. So. I'm assuming, you know, with that with that being done, things are looking up. Yeah. So for our next episode coming up, we're covering another one with one of my favorite actors, Keith David. Uh, we're doing the the thing, oh. uh, the original 1982, of course, uh, the the best one out there. The best one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I've seen both, and yeah, no, that's oh, good one, guys. Prime movie for Spooky Month, and I'm excited to cover probably my favorite horror movie of all time. So, oh, exactly. I don't blame you for having that as your favorite. Well, we will see you guys next time. See you next time. Thanks for joining us, Hunter. Bye, guys. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
Dj.